Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. Glenn here, jumping on on this International Women's Day. It's a bonus episode. And I just wanted to firstly say this episode, we actually recorded it at the end of January. But I was waiting for the right time to put it up and I could not think of a better person uh, to be our guest for International Women's Day. I want to thank uh, the two Jesses in the M3 team, Jess Pearson, Jess Knaus, for helping us bring everything My Millennial to you. I really can't do it without them. Thank you to Carly who helps in the Facebook group. So what women can you celebrate today? Send your mum a text, send your sister a text, send your daughter a text, send your grandma a text. It's all about women on this special day. And thank you to Marley Silver for joining me on my millennial money. I don't actually do this much, but when I got back home from the chat with her, I was really encouraged and I actually sent her a video message thanking her for for being so open and and just having an encouraging chat. I've followed Marley Silva on Instagram for some time now, and I'm sure if you haven't heard of her, you'll want to hear more about her after this episode. Happy International Women's Day, and thank you, Marley Silva. Marley Silva, welcome to My Millennial Money. Thank you very much. This is like the coolest setting for a podcast record I've ever done. It's pretty cool. So, for those wondering, we're actually at Paramount Coffee uh, in Surrey Hills in Sydney, and I would encourage anyone to drop in and get a coffee. I've just given Marley a a taste of my batch brew. What did you think? Yeah, highly recommend. It's um, like you described, you know, good black coffee without the punch in the face of the Mm. espresso. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So... If you haven't heard about Marley, she runs a, well, I'll let her formally introduce, but she's got a podcast, Always Was, Always Will Be Our Stories, and she had a podcast, and you can update us on this is happening again, uh, the Titters for Titters uh, in the Mamma Mia Network. So give us an update. Have you got any more eps planned for this year for Always Was, Always Will Be Our Stories? Yes, I I do hope to um, produce a new season of the podcast. I'm trying to, like, um, explore some different formats and different subject matter for this year. Last year, um, you know, I got some amazing conversations with incredible Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people kind of killing it in whatever kind of area they work in. But I kind of, I have a few ideas about trying to tell sort of the one narrative over a few episodes. So there's a few things that I'm exploring and, you know, even before we, we came on, we were talking about how the podcast space is is you know, just growing and growing, um, especially in Australia. And and that's exciting and cool and whatever. But I think you kind of need to adapt to to stand out. But yeah, I mean, I love storytelling. I love having yarns like this and um, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of other stuff going on. So can't overload my plate too much. But um, yeah, hopefully that that comes back. I love it. So if I was to say, who is Marley Silver? (laughs) 
And I don't want to know what you do. I want to know who you are. Who is Marley Silver? Marley Silver is a left-handed vegetarian, which you can take whatever stereotypes you want with that. It probably fit them. I'm a Virgo. I also fit all the stereotypes that come with that. And I don't even know a lot about star signs, but I know that I am very much a typical Virgo. Uh, I'm a proud Aboriginal woman from the Gamilaroi and Dungati tribes of New South Wales, but I was born and raised in the Sutherland Shire, which again, comes with some stereotypes, of course. Yeah. What are you doing out of the Shire? I know. I had to bring my passport. (laughs) Um, to come to Surrey Hills even. But, yeah, and I, I think, you know, I do a lot of different things and I've always found it, well, over the last couple of years, found it quite difficult to fill out sort of the occupation part of a form. Um, but Storyteller is is the best and probably most accurate um, way to describe what I do. I'm an author. Oh, you told me not to tell you what I do, didn't you, when yeah. I was doing it myself? Yeah. But then I ended up there anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough question, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's very integral to my identity. Mm. I think. Um, is, that, is that good or bad? It's, I'm very lucky. I feel yeah. very, very lucky because, you know, growing up, I was, you know, all I ever wanted to do was write. And I, I didn't think that that would be the thing that I did for a living. And certainly not as the young age that I have been able to do it. So, yeah, it's it's the thing I've always done. Like I always tell people that when I was like 19 and, and waitressing, um, I ran into my kindergarten teacher and um, she asked me what I was doing at uni and I told her I was studying creative writing and she just went, you're still writing stories. So, you know, I've been doing it since I was five. It's, you know, um, very much who I am, which is, yeah, nice. That's awesome. I was actually telling someone yesterday... Like they said, oh, did you ever think you'd be running a, like podcasts and all that stuff? And I said, well, it's fascinating because if I look back in my late teens in school, I left school in year 11, after year 11, uh, I was only really good at uh, photography, business studies and computers. And I always thought, oh, it'd be cool to be a radio host one day or something like that. Uh, and fast forward, you know, I'm running my own business. I'm in media, I'm talking on a radio. So it's just... I totally get that where, and it's encouraging for anyone listening, right? Like what was that dream that you had and how far uh, have you drifted from that? And I think that um, it could have been very easy for me to sort of brush off that dream and, you know, go, I love writing, but, and I love literature. So I'll just become an English teacher because that's actually a real job. Um, And the amount of people who kind of scoffed or were confused when I told them what I was studying and and I even had like my deputy principal laugh in my face and say to another teacher when I was leaving school isn't it funny how many of our kids are going to go to uni and and not have a job at the end of it and I think you know I'm I'm grateful that I'm a bit stubborn because I kind of went well I'll show you and I've you know I've not been able to find her address but I'd really like to send her a copy of my book now yeah (laughs) Be like, there you go. That's what happens when you do what you want to do. So we've got a lot of listeners who are also readers. Talk to us about maybe one of your latest books and is it fiction? Is it nonfiction? What's your most enjoyable thing to write? Well, I've only got one book so far published, um, which was, yeah, essentially that's sort of been 
one of the constants in my life that I wanted to do. Um, I feel so incredibly privileged to have been able to do it. The book is called My Titter, My Sister. So titter is an Aboriginal slang word that means sister. And it's a collection of stories of conversations that I had with a whole range of Aboriginal women, um, not necessarily high profile Aboriginal women, just women that I connected to and um, who had something to say that I think speaks to a bigger narrative about what it means to be a woman mm. and be a woman in modern day Australia. And then on top of that, to to be Aboriginal. So that's, yeah, that's what it is. The book was um, such a joy to write because I, yeah, I really love writing about culture and writing about, yeah, being a woman and, and yeah, I've always been a non-fiction writer, I think, because any attempt at fiction just becomes very thinly veiled. Like, it's things that have happened in my life with the names changed. There's, but there's often a good and, like, you look at any good movie or podcast series, it's based on a real story. There's enough real stuff that's compelling. Yeah. You almost don't need to think about it. Yeah, think. and I just don't think I could do a good sell on something I didn't know. I could never write about And when I was studying, I used to get frustrated with some of my peers who'd like try and set a story in New York and they'd never been. I'd be like, mate, if you know the car park at Wollongong Maccas, I want to hear about the car park at Wollongong Maccas. Like that's that's the stuff that I love. And, you know, I, I've actually been playing around with a few ideas of things I want to write this year. And I think I do want to give fiction a go just because, you know, doing the nonfiction piece was great, but there was there's a lot of pressure to really do justice to the people you're talking about. And I think that I could take a few of my personal experiences and stories and run with them in a way that's more, you know, reflective on on maybe some of the lessons that come from it rather than like to the T what happened. Yeah. And I think like because you are effectively a podcaster, you've got your podcast, often, you know, the content will stand up whether you write it out and sell it in a book or uh, read it to people or tell people. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's really good. And just a bookend, the uh, the Mamma Mia podcast, Titter for Titters, that was a once-off thing. So that was kind of my introduction to podcasting and um, something I'm so grateful for. You know, um, Mia Friedman herself slid into my DMs on Instagram after kind of becoming aware of me on social media and invited me over for a cup of tea at their office that used to be just around the corner here. And um, I kind of was freaking out and um, I think that that, you know, whenever I kind of tell my story and how I end up ended up in the position that I'm in, being able to do it, I, I've been so lucky because in a lot of just kind of fluky moments, the right people have sort of seen me and seen something in me and Mia saw something in me and, you know, invited me to do an audio test to actually host a different podcast. Um, she just had asked me if I'd ever thought about it and I was like... I've not even listened to a podcast at this point, um, but sure, you know, people have always told me I've got a voice for radio or things like that, so I'll give it a go. I'll give anything a go once. And I did the the test for this other podcast. I think it was like an entertainment podcast or something really random, like talking about the Kardashians. I was like, I'm not cut out for this, but like, we'll give it a go. Um, and two weeks later, she rang me back and, and said, we'd actually like to give you your own podcast. And that's where Titters for Titters the podcast that we did two seasons there and that was a sole focus on Aboriginal women and from the get-go I used it as a real learning opportunity and I wanted to be able to leapfrog off it and and do something on my own Um, and they were the Mamma Mia team was just so um, supportive of that and I think they're one of if not the most prolific podcast producers of in Australia especially for like female centric content so I just learned so much from them whether it was through sponsorship even just like understanding stuff with mics and, and, and everything over yeah the 
year and a bit that I was with them and then it gave me the confidence last year you know once lockdown hit to go okay it's now time for me to do it myself and do it from my bedroom and um you know call call all these people and and get it done so um yeah really really grateful for that and they also they just put me again my voice in, in front of the right people even you know the publisher of my book first heard of me through that podcast so and who's the publisher so Hardy Grant yeah um, cool books they're they're been amazing as well so very very lucky I love that growing up in the Shire what was your childhood like and particularly around your view of money growing up Mm. and the reason why if you are new to my millennium one year listening to this episode money is such a big part of everybody's life whether you've got none of it or you've got a lot of it uh, it is a huge part of our life and everybody has a different experience and relationship with money and I believe we can learn from every single person with their experiences good bad or otherwise with money so Mm. what was money like for you it's a really interesting question I think um my experience with money growing up had kind of two distinct narratives the one that occurred inside of my house and the one that occurred externally I think most of us would have this experience but inside my house both my parents grew up in housing commission in western Sydney with no money um oftentimes no food in the cupboards in the fridge both my grandfathers were abusive alcoholics and it was you know not the ideal environment to grow up in but I had these on both sides of my family these incredible grandmothers who worked their asses off um, to provide for their kids and the lessons that my parents learned in, in watching their mothers really is something that they still they hold so much of themselves in that narrative. Um, their dedication to hard work, their value for money, um, their savviness with money is something that they gave to us um, from the get-go. And we, you know, have had a really privileged life um, economically because my dad was a professional rugby league player and that set us up and put us in a, you know, that's essentially why we live in the Shire. We were, mum and dad were able to afford to live there in, in a, such a different, and give us a, an upbringing that was so different to theirs. Um, Um, So we were just always taught to be incredibly grateful. Mum and dad have never been lavish. We've never had brand new cars and any of that that stuff. We were really lucky to be able to travel overseas a lot growing up, but that was because my mum worked for Qantas. Um, And we were just always constantly, and, and even to a point where it was quite you know, aggressively told, like, you are so lucky to have this. Like, you don't know what it, you know, was like. For me, my my dad used to talk about, like, um, living on you know, the, the ends of a loaf of bread, you know, for, for a week, you know, before my nan got paid and she'd have to try and keep her pay away from pop because, you know, he'd, he'd spend it on alcohol and things like that. And it's, I'm really grateful that that was the sort of upbringing we were given. And we just, um, yeah, we, we understood how privileged we were, but then on the flip side, you're out of the house and we know these things about our parents' perspective and, and our lives and things with money. But I had, you know, some of my best friends um, in these waterfront mansions in the suburb that I live in. My best friend had a tennis court in her house, like, and a, and a catamaran in the oh, backyard. <laughs> and any parties happening? Uh, yeah, <laughs> but like that to me, like, and it's just like childhood naivety. Like that didn't, I didn't think of my friends as these like rich kids, right? And I didn't, and they didn't. The way that they were didn't treat anyone differently who didn't have those things or at least not in front of me. And so I, I had this like 
and I think even before we jumped on here, we were talking about boats and I grew up on boats, you know, because of my friends and we, that's the kind of lifestyle we had and they did all these crazy things and, and it was, again, like we had such a privileged upbringing being around kids like that and having these experiences that no one else gets to have. So... I, I kind of got to understand a little bit of both sides of the track just from my parents' stories and then my own experience. Um, and growing up in the Shire, it's a very affluent area for the most part as well. So, yeah, it's it's interesting because I guess when you're a kid, you don't really think about that sort of stuff. But as I grew up and, and came to see a bit more of the real world, um, again, I, I just understood how lucky I was and understood that the life that my parents gave me is what I want to give to my kids. Do you think... Um with your parents because we know in any part of society in any family tree you know the apple can fall very close and you know the problems of you know our grandparents and that can just repeat down the generations do you think your parents and i know you can't speak on behalf of them but like do you think they were actively trying to change the family tree for your benefit and for the their benefit effectively as well. I think 100% they were. And like they've spoken to us explicitly about that. All they ever wanted was for us to have a better start than what they did. And yeah, again, they both of them attribute their ability to kind of even dream of that to their own mothers. And yeah, and even like both my mum and dad's siblings have done really well for themselves as well. And I think it's a testament to the inner strength and um, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing their their commitment to kind of breaking that cycle and... um, I yeah, I think it, it, it's had a really great impact on myself and my sister. Yeah, and I think it's it's so cool. Like we've got a lot of professional sports players that listen to the podcast, and because they've messaged us and hey, everyone, if you're listening, like that window of time, you can make some serious money. Yeah. Now you've got a conscious decision whether you're gonna have a good four years of fun yeah. or set up your life. Yeah, yeah, and I th- and my mom definitely takes claim for this, right? Because she's like. If it was up to your father when he was playing, you know, we would have had none of this. He would have just been, like, clueless with it. Um, and even Dad says, like, he's very thankful that Mum was kind of the one to be smart about planning and understanding that it is a temporary career. Like, Dad did play 14 years, which is a long time um, for an NRL career. But, it, yeah, at any second it could be taken away from you. So you know mum knew how to invest and and she wanted to get a property on the board really quickly so yeah like it it's pretty impressive and then actually on top of that um dad's kind of way to to get some insurance for when it was finished was he started planning for his post footy career very early he joined the police academy in the off season um in just the year before i was born so you know he was working full-time as a police officer and as a rugby league player and like doing crazy things like coming off a 12-hour shift into a saturday game like crazy crazy like no one would do that these days but um you know they again and it's that sort of i think like from what I've seen from my mum and dad, like when you grew up, when you didn't have a lot of spare cash um, around, you you know how to constantly prepare for if you're at that point again. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty impressive for them. So, I think like by the sounds of it, your family, you know, mum might have been more of a saver where dad might have been more of a spender. I don't know about that. He, dad was just like waiting for instruction from mum all the time like yeah. I don't know what to do so just tell me what to do which is like you know what I think it works out very well for their, totally. their relationship they were you know been together for 30 something years so it's working well well they say with and I can't 
you know, give any qualified advice about bloody relationships, but <laughs> they say if you've got two people that are the same, one's not needed. <laughs> yes, they balance each other out. Though. Totally. So, is Marley by default a, and I'm speaking to you in a third person for some mm. weird reason, is Marley Silver a spender or saver by nature? Marley Silver is a saver through and through. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. I'm, I'm Glenn. I'm a spender. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I always, like, I, I hate the, any idea of debt. I hate that I've still got a bit of a hex debt. Like, I just want it to die. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I really don't like at any point kind of living above my means. Mm. And, um, yeah, like, you know, I've always been someone who's wanted to work in a creative industry and I knew that I wasn't going to be making heaps of money. So I just have always thought about the future in that sense, I guess. So the traits that just from me talking with hundreds of people over the years about money, sometimes, uh, and life is a bloody spectrum, you know what I mean? Like this, so we can't just box everyone in, but like some of the struggles that a saver might have would be the guilt of maybe spoiling themselves. The, you know, the... I don't know, like, have you had any experiences where you're like, I need to do this, it's a stretch, and I'll buy this for myself. Oh, bloody, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely get that guilt stuff, right? Even just over the, like, Christmas, New Year's period that we just had. Like, last year was a big year and it was a crap year for all of us. And, you know, admittedly, there was a a point in time at the beginning of last year where I was like, I don't think I'm going to have any work this year, and I was panicked and whatever, but because of all my saving, I was also kind of prepared prepared for that Um, but it ended up being okay and it came to thinking about Christmas New Year's and um, I was going up to Byron Bay for New Year's with some friends and I was like trying to g myself up to be like don't worry about how much you're spending up there like just it's five days just go and have fun and like don't even think about it and so many times I like caught myself you know like even just buying some new outfits for New Year's and, um, you know, eating out every night and drinking way too much and, like, spending that kind of money and then, like, checking my bank account on the way home and going, oh, God. But also trying to convince myself, like, you're allowed to do that. Like, yeah. that why do you have money otherwise? Like, yeah. you, we've got to live. And, yeah, it's, it's still – it's an internal battle and there's a few few things. Like, even last year when I was starting my podcast from home, just, like – Oh, am I 100% sure I want to do this? Am I going to spend this, you know, couple of hundred or close to a thousand dollars on all this new kit and whatever, whatever. And at every point, I sound like a total tight ass, but I'm not even ashamed of that because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I really am quite measured with every decision I make in terms of a big spend. But um, I, I'm trying to get better with like not having, you know, not, not being so hard on myself if I do just have a bit of a splurge. I often joke and we've got a penny and paper in front of me <laughs> when I do like seminars and my online course, I draw this spectrum. So if like that's the middle and that's a spender and at the other end is saver, most people sit on this spectrum yeah um and the joke is that i sit outside the spend <laughs> section because you know because the ultimate spender we're just so optimistic it's like oh it's all good i'll just earn the money tomorrow i'll, I'll get more money <laughs> and then i make the joke of like i got a friend he's not a saver he's on this other side and he's what we call cheap <laughs> so as long as you're not cheap <laughs> yeah yeah you still gotta have space to live totally totally so you're self-employed. Mm. Um, how do you manage? And I never expect any of 
guests to give amounts. Um, but I guess, how do you manage money when it comes in? Do you have different bank accounts, all that stuff? So this is uh, a new era of, of my money management that I'm in at the moment because um, in the middle of last year, I got a financial advisor. So it got to a point where there were all these different streams of income and some of it was, you know, probably forecastable and a lot of it wasn't. And I just didn't know what to do with it. And um, I met this really awesome financial advisor um, who's local to my area. A few people had recommended I go and have a chat with him. And I was even more lucky in the sense that he not only was like willing to give me advice and that sort of stuff, but he supports me pro bono. And oh, that, that's awesome. I know. He, and he just believes in, I guess, what I do and um, what wanting to see me succeed. So it's someone who's like, it's like, you know, going from being someone who works for themselves as a kind of one woman show to now there's a bit of a team. It feels like a bit of a team and I've got, you know, like a proper accountant. So there's no like tax fraud and all that stuff, which I suddenly became afraid of. Um, And I'm still in that kind of changing my mindset from being someone who is constantly chasing up invoices to get paid and like not you know, not having income come in for up to a couple of months and then having a, a whole chunk of things paid at once um, to, to just being better at managing that and also having the expectations of the clients that I'm working for, you know, just be a bit more of a hardball, like maybe pay me 50% before oh, I do it. Okay, this is awesome. Let's, the whole creative thing. Yes. <laughs> I'm, because I'm an independent podcaster, I'm not in the marketing or the agency world, so I'm a disruptor. So, and hello if you are listening out there. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Like, if you want to advertise on my show, it's on my terms. Yes. There was one advertiser, and I felt bad. I kind of had to apologize because, <laughs> I, you know, you send stuff by email, and you're like, oh, oh. probably shouldn't have done that. You wish you could drop the little ha-has like you do in a text. Well, I did, I did the smiley face. like. <laughs> but, you know, as far as me being a small business... Uh, 45-day payment terms, nope. Absolutely not. So, if you want to work with Glenn James and My Millennial Money, usually it's at least a 20% deposit upfront before we do anything. And then the payment is due when I bloody say. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. We don't have to work together. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I think that, especially like with creative stuff, like I think there's just such an attitude around kind of, there's not only is it is it really hard to have that conversation sometimes with people, especially when you're just one person and there's not that other, you know, um, someone in the legal department to talk about the contract. It's so intimidating to have that conversation with big organisations and there's also just like a little bit of disrespect for like the freelancer and the creative and, you know, again, this is something we mentioned just before I came on, but like there is so much like, oh, can't I pay you in exposure? Like a lot of that. And, you know, of course there's things that I do without any kind of um, payment I'm like expecting. And that's stuff with like NGOs and and the things that I'm really passionate about that I'm just happy to offer my services to. But that needs to be balanced by payment. And there is real work that goes into this sort of stuff that I do. And I think people just undervalue it because it's not as quantifiable as, you know, know, something else. Well, exposure ain't paying my rent. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Like it's cute and you know, my audience is 15 times the size of yours. Like, I don't yeah. need your exposure. <laughs> and I know we're being dramatic and smug, but it's a real thing if you are a creative. And I'd really encourage any creative, like, you need to set the terms. 
uh, I told my uh, one of the agencies the other day, they said, oh, we can advertise this. This is the price. And I said, no, I'm a price maker. I'm not a price taker. So, I set the price for my world. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, and it's a muscle. You got to get used yeah. to it. Like, you, you can probably think about yourself the, when you were first starting, it's like, I can't believe I did that for that much. And then- <laughs> yes, yes. And you know what helped me is having conversations with more people who are in the space totally. and more people who've had a bit more experience. Like I have a friend of mine who we do really similar stuff. And I think it probably helps that he's a man because there's definitely this like patriarchal element where I find... And I found, you know, speaking to other women as well, we're a little bit more hesitant with, with having these sorts of conversations. And I think, you know, it's just the society that we live in. Um, but he, we both spoke at the same event and he told me what he got paid and it was a lot more than me. And I was like, what the hell? And he was like, well, I told them that's what it was. And I was like, damn it. Like, oh, God damn it. And so from that point, the next time I was like doing an event, it was good because I could, was like to him, like, hey, how do you do this how do you approach this what's the language that you use blah 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 and he like helped me workshop doing it in a way that you know for the most part has been successful and I, I've also had this conversation with a few other people and they kind of say like the worst thing they can do is come back and say look we can't pay that much but we can pay this much and it's probably higher than what they would have offered you anyway yeah and I think it's like you know I constantly tell it was like no I've got three staff members yeah. it's not doing a service to my team if we can't get them and it's all relative like if you're a big multi bloody national company or whatever it's like shut up you know (laughs) don't insult me it's a drop in the ocean mate like not even and yeah so anyway so we're all learning in that way so basically you're you're managing your money you've you've got some help from a financial advisor um this you said before you don't do any type of debt which is awesome yeah um i'm anti-debt yeah same (laughs) i mean mortgages sure yes different uh, but consumer debt and all that i'm just like oh and if you're if you disagree with me that's all right i would just say let's compare notes in 20 years yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that's all good exactly um yeah that's awesome so what are your current financial goals um i I really want to I want that mortgage. Yeah. That's what I want. That's yeah. the goal. The Again, it's a really privileged position I'm in at the moment um, in the fact that I don't hate my parents and I can still live with them and be able to save it as the, the way that I have been for the last little while. So I'm feeling quite prepared to, to take on that really big debt yeah. um, in the near future. And, and that's something that's been really helped by my financial advisor as well. Just understanding like that, you know, there's a lot of, good initiatives in place from the government to help people buy their first homes and that sort of stuff. And I, um, yeah, I said, again, it's a, it's another thing like my book where I didn't think I'd be in this position at this age, but yeah, I'm, I'm, that's what I really, really am kind of obsessing over at the moment. And yeah, yeah I'm, ex- I'm excited to, to explore it and I'm definitely taking my time. It's not something that I think anyone ever wants to rush into and trying to make the best decision for myself. Do you want to stay around the Shire type area or move away? Um, I'm pretty open. Like I've been like doing lots of open houses and that, um, well, open apartments, but you know, open houses um, (laughs) around me and, you know, obviously it's something that's really familiar and there's like, there's quite a flooding of, of apartments there that means that the prices are dropping a lot. Um, and I think we'll see, you know, probably that more that happening a bit more when JobKeeper ends and things, which is really awful for a lot of people, but is interesting when it comes to 
you know, the real estate market. But totally. yeah, look, I mean, I originally when I was like exploring this, I was talking about looking at Newcastle because I could actually, it was way more affordable. I love than Newcastle. And I love Newcastle. Like I love it. I, I bought a house there. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay. So maybe, you know, I, I, I love it up there. My, it, it's interesting because I, I, I think, there's like on a like spiritual level yeah. you know like my mob's country is like north north towards the north coast of New South Wales and a little bit inland as well but there's this part of me that constantly is drawn north and then on my mum's side of the family like her grandmother and all their family lived in Newcastle and I think there's this part that's like drawing me there mm. a little bit I don't know like I've I've definitely like been looking at that and it, it, like I said, I'm, I'm just taking my time, so I'll see what happens. Are you open to being a property investor? So, I'll make a suburb up like buying Bendigo and then rent somewhere pimp that you want to live? Um, I don't know. Like, it's – I've thought about it. Um, I think that it's a possibility. Yeah. I don't know. I think like the more that I'm looking and – the more that it becomes real, I'll be able to. Yeah, and I mean, that. and the answer is probably no because you, it sounds like you you want to buy your own place, and that's cool. Yeah. Um, because there's just so many options, and particularly you know apartments, and it's it's all good. It's um yeah, it's great. But yeah, Newcastle, it's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually trying to. Uh, I'm doing some research to maybe rent a place to live at Swansea Heads or yeah. around Caves Beach. Yeah, beautiful. And there's just nothing available. Well, I, I feel like, is it a, a bit of an older population, like yeah, established yeah, population? Yeah, because they all own yeah, their place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, I think there's a part of me that also just wants to get the hell out of Sydney. Oh, I know. For, at least for a little while. Like, yeah, I live on the coast and like I'll come down, do meetings and work, but I just, you know, love living out of the city. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, that's awesome. What's the best thing that you think you've ever done? <laughs> That's a big question. It is. Ever in the scheme of my life. And it's like, for example, it doesn't have to be anything like, for me, it could be, um, oh, I went through three pillows that cost, you know, $300 before I found the right one. Like, that was awesome. I've got a really low excitement, high excitement threshold. Like, Well, I think that's a good way to live though, because then you find joy in all the little things. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Uh, To be honest, in and I probably... In terms of like the domino effect that came from this, it was sticking to my guns of what I, what I wanted to study. Mm. And it was, you know, again, like you do tell people I have a degree in creative writing and it's ridiculous. Like it, who has a degree in that? Like that sounds so silly. But I absolutely loved every second of my study. I It taught me so much. It taught me about communication. It taught me about, you know, even how how to sell things right and and sell things like of me as a brand and and, you know all this kind of stuff and I I just every day you know I find myself I'm telling some sort of story I'm writing something I'm I'm talking about something and that's the stuff that I wake up in the morning and I'm excited to do and I'm in the position I'm in now because I was just full of joy and, and also so open to trying lots of different things at that time and you know at the start of like my first proper jobs were in the non-profit sector working with Aboriginal kids in high school trying mm. to keep 
them at school and that doesn't necessarily sound like something that's for a writer but I was telling stories to kids and, and trying to get them excited about education and excited about you know their their possible futures and that was because of again I was constantly flexing you know my storytelling ability so yeah. that that's definitely something that has undoubtedly impacted the path I but went on I think it's it's nice for people to, you know, like if they said, oh, what are you doing at university? Like creative writing, like, oh, yeah, that's a waste. But it's just like, well, if we actually seek first to understand, <laughs> Marley, <laughs> uh, we're talking about that saying before. Um, no, it, it, it wasn't this, uh, I don't know what I want to do when I leave school. Oh, I'll do this. This looks good. It was this underlying current in yeah. your life. Yeah. And a, a, a constant, you know, it was something that was always there and again yeah it just made me happy and I think that um that that's always what I, I'd like to tell people like I know sometimes you have to do things that suck and I you know worked had lots of jobs in hospitality at that time that I didn't enjoy but I learned stuff from it and you you have to kind of shovel the crap for a while before you can do what you really want to do totally now have you got 10 more minutes to spend with us uh, yeah I'm sweet I'm, well, I'm extremely busy, obviously. Yeah. I'm very extremely busy and very important, but I think I could sacrifice 10 more minutes. Well, we're going to have a quick break and we'll be right back and I'm going to ask Marley, what money advice would you give a best friend if they asked you for some money advice? We'll be right back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Okay, we're back. Did you miss us? Yeah, I thought so. Now, Marley, if your best friend asks you for money advice, what would you tell them? And do you want to shout out any of your best friends? Well, my best friend, Sean, she lives in on the Gold Coast and she's pretty smart with money, to be honest. And I, and I feel like she, she would be like, that's cool, Marley. I've already got my own ideas. I've got to... <laughs> well, we've all got the friend who's got no money, so... <laughs> um... Oh yeah, there's there's probably some other friends who yeah feel like they're they're playing catch up or feel they I feel like I can feel their stress when it comes to money, um, and I don't feel like I'm you know qualified in any sense or fully understand their situations to a point where I could give great unsolicited advice. I don't know. Like I think that for me, far out. I don't I don't even know. Like what what well, is what's what's one thing that's worked for you? Being a tight ass. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I. you know what? I'm going to give some money advice to my sister. All right. right. Keely Silver. What up? <laughs> she, she, she and I, we talk about money a lot. She's done some good saving, some better saving over the last 12 months than she has in previous years, probably because she hasn't been able to go out as much. And hey, you're 23. You want to go out. Of course you do. Have fun. And, you know, drink those $19 cocktails if you want. But maybe don't do it every weekend. And also, her biggest killer is eating out constantly. Oh, yeah. Welcome to my world. Constantly. I, I respect that choice with her. Oh, and I've always just went, like, sometimes I, I see her and she, like, goes out for dinner with a friend, whatever, whatever, and, I'm, and then she'll be like, oh, money, spend a lot of money. And I'm like, dude, you know when you want to catch up with your friend? Go for a walk. Or, you know, just, like, sw swap out those little things because I'm telling you they add up. Like, there was definitely a period of time, like, 
20, 21st season for me was a big spending time. Totally. Just like back-to-back parties all the time. And this is obviously when I had a better social life than what I do yeah. now. But um, How old are you now? 25. Yeah. And it's very rare that something comes up. <laughs> you're, you're coming into like the wedding. Weddings. So. Oh, God. <laughs> and then after 30, the kids. Yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, like I, I just, I think like at this age group, like, your early 20s and that of course like you want to have fun and and you can't be super paranoid and whatever but I don't know just like make smarter decisions about how often you're spending those little bits of money because they just add up like you just I I, you know have seen um I saw a girl I follow on Instagram post the other day about she'd added up all her Uber Eats um account from last year and it was a couple of grand and as one person and I was like, oh, dude, like that hurts me to look at it. And, I, you know, I, I think that we look at those little spendings and think that, you know, they're just $4 here or $10 well, here or whatever, whatever. You know, people, they, they go, oh, I've got a five grand credit card and I just can't shake the debt. And it's not because they purchased a $5,000 lounge or a couple of overseas tickets with a credit card. It's death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, yeah. So. I think also that there is, and this is <laughs> the irony being that I've done a lot of or built a lot of my profile on social media and done a lot of stuff on social media. There's this perception or these these constructed worlds that we present on Instagram that I think, you know, on our sub subconscious make us want to live above our means. And whether that is the, you know, buying the new outfit. Like I, I and again, Keely, I love you so much. I'm not throwing you under the bus. But she's the kind of person who's like, I can't wear that outfit again because it's been in an Instagram photo. And that she's not definitely not the only one. Like I know a lot of other girls who are like that, and I'm sure there's a lot of other um, men as well. But that's the kind of thing, and it's like I think it plays a big part of uh, in you know how we are perceived online, and you know even even just the pressure. Like oh man, like I've seen a lot of people with in front of the sold sign of a, of a property in, in the last little while which is like great for them I'm really stoked for them but I think it, again it puts that pressure on people like I should be at that point or you know oh my gosh look at this person's amazing car maybe I should lease a car for that much and it's like no you shouldn't don't do that like why don't you just get the car you can afford and don't feel like you have to buy new clothes all the time and, and you have to eat out all the time so you can put it on your Instagram story please don't do it yeah it's uh, it's a trap and it's, you've just got to be you've got to learn I think to be self-aware of your own proclivity and just try and fix one thing at a time yeah and get a goal yes that is a good thing to be able to go towards something I think is is yeah very very good all right well your friend is it Sean on the Gold Coast yeah yeah she's the best yeah my sister lives at Palm Beach so hello to the Gold Coastians I, I I've missed being able to go up there and I know see her. Oh, I just want to go to I was supposed to go for Christmas but got locked out. Damn it. Do COVID. You, <laughs> COVID. You'll be the end of me. Do you support any charities or non-for-profits either with your money, time or respect? If so, who? So I am very lucky and proud to say I am a board director for a charity um, called I Do Know Yourself. It is an incredible um, organisation that supports Aboriginal kids in foster care. They, at the moment, just support kids in and around Sydney, um, but there's big plans to expand and one day I think it really could be a national thing. We have approximately 20,000 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids um, in out-of-home care today. It's more than the stolen generation not living with their family um, and it's it's so important and they're just voices that aren't heard and I um, absolutely love working with them and being able to do a lot of their program days and things like that, which is 
amazing. Um, yeah, and it's it's really an honour to work with them. I also have yeah done a little bit of volunteering with a whole bunch of other orgs. I for the second year in a row am helping out with another charity called Cultural Choice Association, um, and their work is dedicated to youth suicide prevention in Aboriginal communities, which is unfortunately another really horrific issue that is far too prevalent in our society as it stands. And um, last year, I just helped them out with um, their annual campaign that's called Boots for Brightest Futures. Um, I've heard of that. Yes. So, it's actually been founded by Connor Watson, who's a Newcastle Knights player. Yeah. So, it's his charity and yeah, just connected with him and definitely pestered him to a point where I was like, I want to help and um, let me know what I can do. And what we ended up doing was essentially what happens is young Aboriginal kids in need get to express themselves and um, find strength and learning through just um, talking about their mental health whilst creating art. And they do this art on some, um, you know, NRL players' boots and it's beautiful Aboriginal art that they can get to wear through the Indigenous round every year and then they're auctioned off at the end and the funds go back to Cultural Choice, which, um, yeah, it was such a joy to do it last year and we actually got to go into some youth justice centres um, and, and work with kids who are locked up who are just, you know, so such incredible kids who again just it just feels like they're not heard and so being able to kind of connect all the dots and and work on on you know providing some sort of joy if nothing less for them in their everyday lives so working on that again this year and um that'll i think even be bigger and better yeah and you, you said something before which um is a case in point of why you know i want to get a variety of different voices and people on the show just to share their story uh, so we can all learn one thing that we might not be aware about. You said there's more Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander children in out-of-home care than the Stolen Generation. Yeah. So at the height of the Stolen Generation, yeah. there's more kids living away from their families now than there was. So that's one thing that probably most of us listening today, uh, we didn't know about and we need to bloody remember that. Yeah, and it's it, it goes back to there's a lot of conversation around you know Aboriginal people needing to to get over it, but I think there's a lot of misunderstanding that a lot of the things that um, you know we talk about are still going on. Totally, and it's and they're all connected. You know, I I do this stuff with ID and then with Culture Choice, and there's a correlation between you know being in foster care and having mental ill health or being, you know, incarcerated. They're, they're all connected. And mm. so it's... Um, and it's too nuanced for a, a one-sentence jab on social media or one-sentence solution. It, there, there is no, you know, blanket solution. And mm. that's why, for me, I, I'm no expert in anything. You know, I just care about this stuff. So the best thing I can do is offer my time and, um, you know, do things like talk about it in typical on something like this show and, and let people know about it so the people who have the expertise can have the support to do it. Yeah. Uh, finally, do you have any other random PSA or comments to anyone um, about anything? can be anything. <laughs> the, you know, the floor is yours. Oh, I don't know. I knew this question was coming too and I didn't even think of anything good. I, I could have come up with something clever. I was going to say you can sell like your multi-level marketing schemes. <laughs> I, I don't care. I just open the floor. Oh, I don't know. Like I think that something I've been thinking about recently and I guess I want a lot of people to think about is like 
I think we just got to be kinder to each other. You know, the last 12 months has been so hectic and I feel like a lot of people are frustrated and there's a lot of anger and and toxicity online that I just I just need people to take a step back and you know maybe think twice before they say something and and just yeah I don't know give people the benefit of the doubt and worry about your own stuff and stay in your own lane yeah no that's good and because like yeah you your one sentence jab online you know, there's a person, there's a business, there's a team of things that they're trying to do the best. We just need to have freaking grace. Yeah. It's like yeah. we can't get it perfect all the time. Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, let's let's just like go into 2021 being nicer to each other and just worrying about ourselves. Yes. Well, Marley Silva, thank you so much for joining us. And you're welcome anytime, you know, <laughs> once a year if you want to flick me a message and come and have a, a chat. Well, it's my pleasure. It's um, yeah, been a really fun chat. Thanks for having me. No worries. Oh, before you go, I've got a little gift for you. It's the My Money oh, Journal. Yes. Now, the My Money Journal. Look, you might not be a journal person. You. I'm a writer. Obviously, I'm a journal. Well, person. true. Um, you can have a look at it if you think it could be a gift for someone. You're welcome to re-gift it. You're welcome to use it yourself. You can do whatever you want. Um, well, seeing as I threw my sister under the bus, maybe I could be, give her a gift. Give it to her. <laughs> Um, oh, I just but, my oh, that's right. Is that it's good quality, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I'll give a nice description. It's very feels very high quality. It's a nice blue. It's like my favorite blue color as well. Like I'm a big fan of that. Um, and it's yeah, beautiful layout. I'm trying to flip it open with one hand. Oh, oh wow, it's um nice. And it's also like a good size. Like it could fit into any bag I yeah. feel, if you need it. I yeah. don't know. So, I hope I'm selling it well. <laughs> no, thank you. No, I just think because. In my life, when I've had a goal or an idea or something, you know, get it out of my head. Like, I've got my pen and paper in front of me just to get it out into the open to get clarity. So, hopefully that will help you or your sister or somebody else. So. Yes. All right. You can find Marley on Instagram, marley.silva. Check out um, her podcast, Always Was, Always Will Be Our Stories. And check out her book, Titters for Titters. No, my titter, my sister. Close. <gasps> It's all right. You got you got there. <laughs> that was the podcast. My titter, my sister. My titter, my sister. Yeah, jeez, yes, how embarrassing. No, no, all good. All right, I'll see you soon. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.